don't underestimate the amount of services and resources and support that might be out there. It, it, it takes time to research and to find these organizations, but there are a lot of different types of supports that can be provided to adults with disabilities that, that just need that little extra help in a few different areas to really live their best life. Welcome to the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. If you find money to be the number one, two, or even third largest source of stress in your relationship, then you're in the right place. Going beyond how to budget, invest, and do your taxes, we're going to explore financial intimacy. Discover how to talk with your partner about your shared financial life. Let's take the awkward and painful out of money conversations. Join me and hit follow to listen to weekly inspiring, healing, and motivating interviews with financial therapists, couples therapists, and financial planners, and so many more. Let's go on the journey of financial intimacy together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Love and Money podcast. Today, I have Ryan McGuire with us, and he is a special needs financial planner uh, with Oak Wealth. And Ryan and I had a chance to meet very recently. And his passion for special needs planning is incredible. And so I thought, I really want to have him on to talk about the needs of special needs planning, but also to amplify that voice of that this is a far more common area of need than people realize or gets talked about. And so I thought Ryan was a great person. He's full of all kinds of ideas and resources. So uh, without further ado, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and, and to talk with you. I and I love what, what you do in, in your practice and, and helping kind of spread uh, the knowledge and resources that you have. And um, in a similar in a similar way, uh, we, we love to, to do the same when it comes to special needs planning and making sure that people are taking advantage of uh, some of the resources that they that may be eligible for them or their family and, and making sure their planning uh, supports that. So excited to talk about that with you today. And um, yeah, this is great. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that strikes me is, especially coming from the world of therapy back into the field of financial planning, is just how many technical details and options there are for families, right? I often am thinking about the psychological impact of living with a family member that has special needs and how do you help the family function well around that and how do you help the person with special needs function well. And then, uh, but then there's kind of this gap in like, well, what are the, the actual real planning opportunities and tools available. And so that's why, you know, I'm really curious about the work that you're doing. And and so let's just start at the 50,000 foot view. How do you describe what special needs financial planning is? Sure. You know, in general, financial planning and the financial planning process and investment management, wealth management, all these different, you know, terminology to describe how a, an advisor would work with a family. It looks different and is, complex for every family. Uh, every family is different, their situation's unique. Um, so when we say special needs, we're, we're really just adding on the layer that a member of the household has a permanent disability that needs to be accounted for when completing all of these other you know, general financial planning tasks. So you're right, there's a lot of technical aspects of that. There also are a lot of emotional and really you know just a lot of things to work through when it when it comes to just the the overall 
feelings that everyone has and, and making sure that we're do, setting up a plan and a structure that is going to let everyone in the family flourish and live to their ability and exceed their ability and exceed their expectations. Um, so really just trying to facilitate more than anything else um, a, a healthy financial plan that supports everyone in the family um, and allows for anything that, that might be applicable in terms of benefits from the government or um, resources from you know their community are tapped into and accessed when appropriate. Wow. I mean, I think one of the things that I hear in you hear from this part is, do you find in special needs planning, special needs families that where financial resources are, I don't want to say like overly focused on the person with the uh, permanent disability and maybe other people's financial needs are not being thought about. And so there's kind of a need to balance meeting the needs of the the family member with special needs versus the needs of the rest of the family. Do you find that that's kind of, can be out of balance? Certainly. I think a lot of times, well, let's start with maybe parents of, uh, of the, the child with a, with a disability. I think a lot of times the parents are doing their own planning for their own retirement. They're looking at the nest egg that they've been able to save up and accumulate over time. They're looking at what is their retirement look like and I think a lot of times there ends up being this um, potential guilt when looking at spending down their investments in retirement because they're constantly thinking about well what's going to be left over when we're gone and how will our child or children be taken care of and so I think there's this really important uh, sort of give and take there when it comes to having parents be able to to spend the resources that they put their blood, sweat, and tears into over the source of their career and have the ability to travel and, and live the retirement that they want to, along with the need to really you know, potentially set up a special needs trust and fund it to a level that is going to help sustain the support that they want to see provided uh, to their child. And then uh, beyond that layer, you've got the other siblings that may be uh, involved and how the support and resources that they're being provided balances with their sibling that that might have perhaps a larger you know financial need beyond the death of mom and dad. So there's a lot there. There's a lot of unpacking that's done um, within within that that balance. Uh, we we always say that you know fairness is really really hard to uh to define and equalization is also hard to maybe achieve um and so having just really good uh, good conversation about that especially from an advisor who might be helping families craft how their assets are being dispersed um as well as you know estate planning attorneys um there's a lot there and there's a lot of important conversations i think that need to be had I really appreciate you highlighting this issue of fairness. I imagine that shows up a lot in special needs planning. I know it in general planning it does. And I mean, as humans, we're wired for fairness. And that on the whole is a good thing. But getting to what is actually fair and equitable comes down to dollars and cents. And, you know, I was just talking with uh, a client who's like, yeah, one of my sisters, like if she does something, she wants a receipt and reimbursement if it's $7. 
And I'm saying like, ah, you know, it's money, it's family, it's all good. There's no real boundaries. It's just kind of all of us doing things. And and siblings can really exist along that kind of continuum of their own internal expectations about what's fair, who should be responsible. Um, and so in the role of an advisor, how do you help families work through those conversations of getting to some greater clarity about what is fair? Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated question. Um, and, you know, there are times where true equalization or, you know, could be potentially just impossible uh, to achieve for a family given the resources that they have and potentially, you know, the parents' feelings and, and need to support or fund uh, a special needs trust at a certain level, for example. Um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that we're trying to help make sure that families are aware of is you're you're trying to craft a plan that's achieving potentially a, a large amount of object, objectives and a large amount of goals. We want to make clients aware of maybe some of the p- potential issues that could be embedded in some of the estate planning documents that they have executed, uh, potentially some of the trusts that are already in place. Um, for example, oftentimes we do recommend a professional fiduciary administrative trustee to to be the trustee of the special needs trust beyond mom and dad's death. Um, Most commonly it's sort of defaulted that a sibling or a combination of siblings would serve as that trustee role where there's times because of different um, complications with resource limits to different state and federal benefits that administering a special needs trust can be really complicated and really difficult so that can take a lot of work, can take a lot of knowledge and expertise. And we would just typically recommend that families focus on siblings being able to you know, focus on their relationship and maintaining that sibling bond versus you know, a trustee beneficiary type relationship, which of course can be um, maybe a little bit more complex um, and add a whole different set of, of, you know, issues for a set of siblings. We think about the, the role of a trust protector and how that can be a much more appropriate seat for a sibling to sit in, yeah. um, especially if that sibling is still involved in the care of their sibling through um, powers of attorney or guardianship or supported decision-making, sitting in the role of a trust protector, I think can be a little bit more appropriate and can be, um, you know, provide enough oversight and guidance that can really create a structure that's really healthy for everyone. Um, so that's that's one thing that we commonly see is maybe sometimes it's overly defaulted to having siblings serve as as trustee. So so that's one of the things that, and I you know I think from a family therapy perspective that sounds like such a great idea. I know when we were talking, it really struck a chord with me is siblings can be placed in these expectations of caregiver for their sibling without being asked, or maybe it's been a long time assumed position that the older brother, older sister, younger brother, younger sister, I mean, each family's a little different, will be responsible for the other sibling member, but maybe they never really wanted to be, or maybe even if they want to be, they don't have the time or energy 
to do it. And so hiring this third party trustee to help execute that can really unburn. And I think you said the words, allow the siblings to just be siblings. But there is this trust protector role that can be taken on, which kind of serves a little bit more as an oversight. So if maybe the trustee is not working out well, they could find another trustee or something like that. But they don't have to worry about all the nuance and technical details. I mean, just listening to you talk, Ryan, a little bit is like, there's a lot of words here that are, even for a financial planning professional, that still feel like, oh my gosh, there's a lot going on here. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say there's one of the challenges for a family that has a loved one with a disability. There are a lot of things to do on a weekly basis and longer term planning sometimes gets gets shoved to the back burner because there are more pressing and and higher priority um, items from, from day to day, week to week. But as we think about the long-term planning, just, just getting those estate planning documents done and then thinking about who's acting in those documents, you know, there, there are a lot of different services out there, service providers that have a lot of different sets of expertise that if you're, you know, really do some research and have put a lot of thought into that structure, there are different parties that can sit in these different seats that can really surround a person at a point in their life where they may be very vulnerable, mom and dad are now gone, um, who have been, you know, their rock throughout their life and have, have coordinated a lot of their care and support. Right. Maybe a adult sibling has their own family and their own family situation to attend to and, and to, to be you know, actively working on. So what are the different types of services that might be helpful to, to look at. Sure. One of the things that I don't think a lot of people think about is when it comes to healthcare. There are firms out there, medical advocacy organizations, that not only could potentially say help just as a liaison for the, the person and potentially any of, any of their siblings or friends that help them with healthcare decision making, but there are firms that can can actually act as an advocate for the individual to help them communicate with their medical professionals. Some of those firms actually will will step in and act as healthcare power of attorney potentially. So thinking about all of these different layers to surround a person with with really good support um, that is you know potentially going to you know cost some money. Um, yeah, it might be the best might be the best way to allow the individual to continue to, to flourish and to thrive and also allow them to have the healthiest relationship with their siblings as possible. So I think there's a lot of ways to, to, to reach that and strike that balance. It's difficult. It's, it's hard planning. It's hard decisions uh, to make. But ultimately, I guess my takeaway would be really don't underestimate the amount of services and resources and support that might be out there. It, it, it takes time to research and to find these organizations, but there are a lot of different types of supports that can be provided to adults with disabilities that, that just need that little extra help in a few different areas um, to really live their best life. 
I think, I mean, that's, it's, it strikes me. One of the things I'm taken by is your compassion around this topic is that there's, you know, you really do want to help families and help them to know that there's, there are so many different resources out there and yeah, it might take a little bit of legwork and that can be part of the role of a special needs planner is you already kind of have a, it's not that you know every resource out there in the world that's available, but you know, the broad categories and types and you know, you have a confidence that like, there's probably a resource out there for a need. So even if I don't know it, I, I know I can look for it and find it. And that seems like just such a huge gift for folks is like, there is support out there. You don't have to go it alone and, and building that team around you to help your family is a big deal. You know, I, I wonder, can you share like a family success story, obviously protecting confidentiality, but like of a family that you started with and then help them kind of walk through this process and what you saw change in the family culture or the family vibe or, or, you know, what have you? Sure. Yeah. I, I can think of a situation where, um, you know, a child with a very rare medical condition, high functioning, just a normal third or fourth grader, and all of a sudden a really significant medical event that started to um, create a, a huge, uh, you know, really serious medical situation that you know was sort of ongoing for a lot of a lot of time. So pulling him out of school going to the hospital, lots of surgeries, back and forth, mom and dad, just very overwhelmed with the amount of what the communication between the school district and the hospital and the surgeons and the, what does this mean long-term? And just, it was a a crisis time in their life. And they were, uh, you know, just a, a, a general client of our firm not necessarily special needs planning uh, oriented at first, but then all of a sudden, very quickly, it it became, oh my goodness, you know, we're sort of drowning in the communication and the alignment of all of this stuff. What do we do? You know, we're we're having a lot of challenges in the um, with the medical system and making sure we're getting the right communication about what's happening. Um, we're struggling with our child to make sure that he's understands what's happening and supported and can still see his friends and still going to school and trying to protect some degree of normalcy for him in the event of this really significant health diagnosis. We were able to align some nurse advocacy support. So basically bringing in a, um, a firm to help them communicate with the health system to understand what was happening a little bit better and making sure their family's needs were getting supported by the hospital. Um, and that that was a huge win for them. And every everybody in the family was, was a little bit more comfortable with the treatment and the process and how things were working. Um, aligning them with the, the now ch- children's Medicaid waiver system in Wisconsin, which is called Katie Beckett, or one of the waivers called Katie Beckett supports, which helps pay for some caregiving hours, helps pay for some, maybe some home modifications, some durable equipment. Some of the things that they didn't really even know that they would have, the help that they would have qualified for. So making sure they got aligned with that. And then because this is a really serious and, you know, permanent situation that their child is dealing with, you know, some of the longer term planning 
items that, that needed to be added to their estate plan and things that needed to be considered in their financial plan. But ultimately, I think what I was most proud of in that situation is they were just in a, a moment of crisis and um, had a lot of unknowns and a lot of overwhelming you know, thoughts and stress and, and it's just a really significant challenge. And we were able to just get them pointed in the right direction to start and then eventually think about you know, some of the longer term planning. So that would be one situation specifically that I was really proud of because it was taking a situation that was a little bit new to me and trying to find local resources and support that would be helpful and aligning that, having it work and having the family have a lot of really good feedback. Um, so that would be one one success story um, that I've had personally. We've we've experienced a lot of really cool situations as a firm of you know helping families in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect a wealth management firm uh, to help families plan for things like vacations, making sure that maybe some of the things that um, I, I would you know take for granted in a sort of family life, like a vacation, helping people make sure that it's okay to know you, you can plan for this. You can, you could do that, even though you might think it might be impossible based on mobility issues or whatever other challenges that you're having. Yeah. There are people out there to help and seeing some of our clients take steps to do those types of things are, are pretty cool. But there's honestly cool things happening on a weekly basis within our client base. And I've never been around a more empowering group of people in my life who have, you know, had a, a you know, significant dose of challenge and have had the resilience to, to power through some of these situations and the mentalities and the, just the wonderful things that our clients and their children um, are accomplishing. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It makes you makes you really love your job and be happy that you're doing what you're doing. I'll tell you that. Uh, I can see that. You know, I think it it also spins that very a more positive light on challenging things. Is seeing seeing this community of folks as as resilient, as strong, as thoughtful, and really, you know, like you know, we're all in this together. We need help. In different ways and you know i think you know hearing about the family vacation piece that's just such a iconic part of family life is being able to take vacations and not feeling like you can take vacations is a big loss and so having someone come alongside you and say like here's how you can do this and not just from a dollar standpoint but also from a resource standpoint like what are the the ways that we get family members on vacation uh, you know, beach vacation, lake vacation, Disney trip, what have you. So I think I'm glad you said it is helping people also understand what are some of the best wealth management firms doing. And it's a lot more than just picking the right mutual funds for their clients or doing some tax projections. Like this is comprehensive planning. We're looking at all the different financial pieces and, and some pieces that you wouldn't normally think about, like how to fund or take access to a really meaningful vacation based in your particular family needs. Welcome to 2024 and thank you for listening to the Healthy Love and Money podcast. I'd like to take you behind the scenes of therapy-informed financial planning, where we talk about emotions. We talk about retirement plans. We talk about painful family experiences with money and so much more. There's no need to hide things that leave you feeling embarrassed or ashamed about your financial situation. 
This year, we watch couples and individuals work through financial anxiety and start talking lovingly about money. We saw couples and individuals take action towards their goals, like closing a business that no longer fit them, paying off debt that felt crushing, increasing their comfort with their realized wealth, and ultimately overcoming some of those financial secrets that have been plaguing the relationship. Ultimately, the best part was seeing smiles return to our clients' faces about life, relationships, and money. This is why we do Therapy Informed Financial Planning. I invite you to make 2024 the year you start Therapy Informed Financial Planning. Check the show notes below to schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself kind of an industry nerd. I, I love the wealth management industry. I love the financial advice profession because yeah. I can help, you know, distill things down that are fairly complicated and, and can provide some stress and anxiety and just longer term planning in general is not comfortable for, for most of us. Right. It's certainly not right, comfortable right, for me right. uh, naturally. So <laughs> I, I love looking at what some of the best wealth management firms around the country are doing to you know make sure their clients are getting the support, the information in the right way and on the right in in the right um, the right pace and just they're they're serving their clients extremely well and their investment program is very sophisticated and effective and evidence and empirically based. How do we do that? How do we structure that type of firm that's really really professional and does a really good job just as a general wealth management practice, focusing all the areas of of financial planning, but then taking it several steps further when it comes to special needs planning and making sure that families are getting pointed in the right direction as to all of the different supports, structures, um, and just coordination of, of all of this advocacy. How do we do that, but yet still maintain having a, a really high-end wealth management firm? Those are all challenges that you know, that, that's what kind of keeps, that's what keeps me up at night. That's what drives me uh, to continue to focus, to build this thing, to providing a, a really um, good experience for people. It's exciting. Um, this sort of special needs financial advisory practice, uh, Mike Walther, our founder, started in 2008. Um, there are a few different firms like us around the country, but not very many. Um, certainly yeah. not enough for what the need is um, out there. So it's exciting because for every new contact that we're making and new client that we're, we're working with, we can make a really significant difference just in the communication and introducing them to some of the, you know, the, the planning that, that might be applicable to them and, and having the personal experiences that all, all of our team has. So anyway, it's exciting work. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's challenging. So clients, you know, I think for me, even being in the industry for a long time, wealth management, that word for some people can be a big turnoff. It can feel overwhelming. Like maybe I don't have enough wealth to work with a wealth management firm. So to give people some sense of context, do they have to have certain amounts of income or wealth in general to get special needs planning? And maybe even with your firm, what does that kind of generally look like? Yeah, so uh, great question. We 
we structure our services really in two different paths. So if a client wants to hire us in sort of a traditional um, investment management plus financial planning and all of these different resources that we, we provide on an ongoing basis, that is a, a fee-based um, on assets under management type structure where okay. we charge a fee, again, based on the, the total assets that we manage for a family and we we sort of do all of that ongoing service that's all inclusive of that ongoing AUM based fee. We also provide just direct financial planning project based services where we will do you know a, spend you know two three four months with a with a family doing their holistic planning and delivering all of those different advice points, and then they would pay us a fee for that project. And then they would, you know, take some of the advice that that we're providing to them, and um, you know, it's up to them to to implement those things, whether that be through self-directed investments or going out to their attorney um, and inquiring about some of the things that we, you know, present to them as advice. So those are the two pathways that we work with clients, either on a project basis or on an ongoing basis. But we try to we try to provide a, options that um, are accessible. Um, to folks and, and, you know, they can feel comfortable, you know, choosing the direction they want to go based on their current situation. Yeah, I think that's really important for people to know. I think, you know, helping um, the public awareness about the different ways that people can pay for advice is really important. And it's nice that your firm offers really two pathways. So for those families that maybe don't have a large amount of investable assets to, to put under management, they can still get really high quality help by paying kind of more in a traditional consulting sense. We'll, we'll pay your fee. You'll look at all the moving pieces of our financial life and then give us a strategy about how to move forward with uh, putting ourselves in the best possible position. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. We just want to provide, um, we want to be a, of, of help to people and um, right. we want to provide something, you know, for, for everybody. And if that just means going to our website and diving into our resources and um, getting pointed in the right direction to, to, to an, a potentially an estate planning attorney, for example, that can help them get a special needs trust in place when that's applicable. Or right. if they want to go to our website and learn more about ABLE accounts and how they that might be a really helpful type of account to have um, for an, an individual with a disability we're trying to provide as much information as possible so that people can take that and use it and really help, help people at, at its very core. So we're trying to, to do our best to, to make sure that we're providing a good experience for not only our clients, but also the folks that are showing up to our presentations and going onto our website and, and people that need that information. I mean, information is powerful, right? And it helps it can really help reduce the stress and anxiety of not knowing where to go. It's I often think about, it's like trying showing up in a foreign country before cell phones. Right. And like, if you have no map, no translating book, no ambassador, and you're trying to get around the country, you don't even know, like you don't even have like the right currency. It's going to be really tough. And you know, to me, it feels like so much of the role of the financial planner is showing up as like that ambassador that can help you translate concepts find your way around the town say, well, over here's where you get this need mad and over here's, you know, where you go. And it's like, 
people shouldn't, I guess what I'm saying is people shouldn't feel bad about not knowing where to go to get help because there's a lot, it's a complex country, the money world. And there's a lot of places that you kind of have to visit. And then if you have special needs planning, there's even more like nuanced places that you have to go and find beyond just the conventional, you know, places. So, uh, you know, I love that your, your firm is so dedicated to creating easily accessible resources to help people understand. And then, you know, if they need to walk down into more technical help, they can hire you guys to, to really walk into that. So you mentioned a word called special needs trust. What is that? What does that mean? A special needs trust or also sort of codified as uh, supplemental needs trust um, in certain federal and state law. A special needs trust is really a trust that is for the benefit of an individual with a permanent disability and that holds assets um, for their benefit, makes distributions for their benefit. The, the key feature of a special needs trust is that if it's drafted appropriately and correctly and valid under the state law that you're uh, a resident of, the assets that are inside of the special needs trust don't count towards the um, testing and the resource limits to qualify someone for federal or state benefits. So when you're talking about you know, permanent benefits, whether it be from SSI or potentially Medicaid and Medicaid waiver services, those are means-tested benefits where the government is going to look at the income and assets available to a person. And you know, there's all kinds of different uh, um, limits uh, to these, these uh, programs. But for the most part, a big, a big number is the $2,000 asset limit to SSI and Medicaid. So a person can't have more than $2,000 to their name if they're receiving benefits from those two sources. So we want to make sure that the special needs trusts are created to receive benefits that will protect eligibility for any of those uh, means-tested benefits and programs that a person might qualify for um, that would otherwise you know, be obviously disqualified if they inherited those assets in their name directly. So essentially the special needs trust stands in for an individual um, in an estate plan to receive assets and to keep someone on their benefits without going over any asset limits. Now, the intricacy of the special needs trust is there's really two different types. There's the third party, which is really kind of the trust that I just described, which is where you're setting up a trust in an estate plan to have assets pointed to it on behalf of someone. So the assets is, fun is funded by a third party. Could be most of the time parents, but sometimes from grandparents, from friends, other family members, and those assets are getting pointed to that, that trust that is named. The other type of trust is called a first party special needs trust, and that's just where someone creates the trust and funds the trust with their own assets. So, you know, a situation where potentially someone may have a, uh, had a disability that was that stemmed from an accident, for example, yeah. and right. there was an insurance settlement that paid out to that person. But in order for them to receive the benefits that they'd be entitled to based on that condition, um, 
they would put those assets into a first party special needs trust, which would make them exempt and, and would qualify them for their benefits. The main difference between a first party and a third party is typically a first party trust at the death of the individual with a disability, um, the assets within that trust would be subject to Medicaid estate recovery, essentially pay, paying back the state for the Medicaid services per, provided to that person during their life. Whereas a third party trust, if established correctly and funded exclusively with assets of anyone other than the person themselves, at the death of that person, the assets would then flow to this, the successor beneficiaries of the trust and would not be had to you know, would not be forced to be paid back to the state Medicaid agency. So we want to make sure we provide because that's a that can be a really big deal um, for families, and we want to make sure that we're educating folks properly and that they're working with attorneys that really understand the distinction between those two types of special needs trusts and make sure that they are you know, deployed correctly. So if, if a family is trying to find an estate planning attorney that understands this kind of particular area of planning, how do they know that this is the, the attorney is really qualified to walk them through this? Yeah, so we point folks to the direction of three main membership organizations around the country um, and their online resource database. Um, you know, a lot of times when clients are reaching out to me asking me for recommendations based on the state, there are attorneys that I've met that I know do a really great job that I've seen their documents and I can you know, personally refer to. But there are three main membership organizations in the elder law and special needs law communities. One is called NALA, N-A-E-L-A. Um, that is, uh, like, I think it's North American Elder Law Association. Um, they have a membership directory on their website for attorneys around the country that belong to that organization. Um, there's the Academy of Special Needs Planners, which is a membership organization of both attorneys and advisors. We are members of the Academy of Special Needs Planners. They have a directory on their website. And then there's the Special Needs Alliance, which is also a invitation-based uh, membership organization with attorneys in, I believe, all states um, that you can go on their directory as well. So I point folks in the direction of those three directories. Yeah, I think the thing that continues to amaze me as I, I, I love meeting and working with folks in the planning world is the, the financial planning and attorney world is just like the world of medicine. Like there's very specific niches of knowledge. And I think you know, this is a consumer-based podcast. And so part of the mission is to help people listening to know and be able to identify like, just like if you have a specific type of cancer, leukemia cancer, you might go and find an oncologist that specializes in leukemia, right? If you have special needs planning, you really want to work with an estate planning attorney that specializes in that. And there, I would imagine even in special needs planning, there gets to be subspecialties within special needs planning. Yeah. I just saw you smile. So you're like, yep, Ed, you're right. There are specialists in working with particular types of family situations because the resources get very specific and the, the needs get very specific. And so the encouragement is if you're on this journey of trying to identify help is you, it's some, you got to self-advocate and you got to keep looking, but also to know there are professionals that specialize in your particular type of dynamic because special needs, there's a lot of different types of special needs. There's right. 
developmental special needs, there's physical special needs, there's mental health-based special needs planning, and they all take on slightly different flavors or nuance. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. You know, I can think of wealth management firms, financial planning firms around the country that have that subspecialty, whether it be and working with families affected by mental illness, autism, uh, you know, specific diagnose, diagnoses that may have some additional layers of intricacy surrounding them. And, and again, it's, it's um, the, you know, if you look at just the numbers of just the, the overall percentage of Americans that will have a disability at some point in their lifetime, you know, depending on the numbers, maybe it's a, a fifth or a quarter of all Americans, yeah. but it's, it's certainly um, a, a big subsect of the population. And um, I'm sure many of us, as we think about, you know, whether it be people in our family or people in other families, I, I, most of us off the top uh, of our head, know several people that have a permanent disability of some kind and um it's it's very common and um we're seeing this subsect of the uh, of the profession the financial planning profession become more and more popular which is great we love to see more practitioners coming into this field and and helping people um because there's a lot of people to help i wanted to ask you that and this is kind of maybe the way we'll bring this conversation to a close is Somewhere between 25, 20 and 25% of the population, one in four, one in five, have a permanent disability. That's staggering. And, uh, you know, I'm not a perfect math whiz, but I'm decent at math. And that means pretty much, I think, to your point, everyone knows somebody with a disability. And I don't want to go as far as to say every family has someone with a disability in it or a permanent disability. But, like, it's probably not too far off of that. But like disability, if it's not in your immediate nuclear family, it's probably in your extended family. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. The other thing that's really interesting, it really doesn't matter the uh, the number um, that your net worth or balance sheet spits out. When it comes to this type of planning, there are a lot of benefits, services, support, a lot of the stuff and, and how it coordinates and you know, cohesive it is, it, at the end of the day, money can't buy a lot of that stuff. And there are programs and, and different potential, uh, you know, I think about state Medicaid waiver programs and some of the services that can be paid for through, through that pro- program. A lot of that stuff, you can't, you can't buy into that. Right. Like you can't just go out and private pay for some of those services. Yeah. A lot of it you can. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is we try to be really, you know, have, have a lot of humility and have the understanding that this is a, an evolution, but this planning is important for families all the way across the spectrum of wealth to make sure they're focusing on the human element of this and making sure that every person, whether they have a permanent disability or not, has the the support 
potentially the you know the resources aligned in a way that's going to enable them to live their most empowered and and happy and productive life and that looks very different across our our client base but um that is really not uh purely there's not a ton of correlation with getting that right and with a level of wealth it's just something that all of us have to work through right maybe in a a sudden a slightly different ways no matter the level of wealth it doesn't mean it's easy for you like coordinating benefits is challenging no matter where you're at on the income and wealth spectrum. And everyone needs help coordinating what's available to them and the services between public and private. And what's that mix? And how does, oh, I mean, you open up, like now I have 23 more questions and we've got to wrap up the conversation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, I hope listeners can hear that Ryan is patient, he's thoughtful, he's caring, he's compassionate. And, and that if, what he's talking about resonates that you would reach out to his, him and his firm, but also to know that there are other people like Ryan that are on this journey that advocate specifically for families with permanent disabilities and that can help you. So you don't have to do this alone. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for your time and your generosity of, of knowledge and spirit today. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ed. Um, happy to join anytime. Uh, this is, uh, this is fun, fun stuff for me to talk about. And I really like what you're doing and, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Thanks. Take care. I invite you now to stop for five or 10 minutes and reflect on what you just heard. Maybe even journal about it. Give yourself the time to consider what you just heard and what it means to you. By giving yourself the time to reflect and integrate what you just heard, It will help you along your journey of learning, healing, and growing towards financial intimacy in your life. Please like and follow this podcast and share with someone that would benefit from being on the journey of financial intimacy. Wishing you healthy love and money, Ed. Ed.